following program is an original WWE podcast. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, whatever it is you celebrate, I hope it went well for you, but we're not done just yet. Old Gravy Claws has a little something special in store. We're celebrating the holidays the only way we hear it after the bell know how. Triple H, Shawn Michaels, it is a Merry DXmas reunion here on After the Bell, and it starts right now. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a very special DXmas edition of After the Bell. I'm not going to waste any more time than I already have. Please welcome my first ever two-time guest, Triple H, and a man who has been waiting very patiently for what feels like days inside the WWE Performance Center, Shawn Michaels. Happy holidays, guys. How's everything going? Going good on my end, Shawn. How are you? Yeah, no, everything's great. Getting it's 85 degrees down here in Florida. It's not here, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, it's very cold here. So I'm going to just start right at the top. What's Everybody's been talking about, at least for the past six months or so, arguably the hottest brand in all of WWE NXT, obviously very near and dear to both of you guys. It's been a very significant banner year for NXT for a multitude of reasons. We're celebrating five years since the opening of the Performance Center, which obviously, Hunter, you were integral in the beginning of. Obviously, the move to USA, maybe the biggest night in the brand's history at Survivor Series. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Hunter. What stands out most to you in 2019 for NXT? I think the thing that stuck out to me the most this year is I feel like this is the year that it officially went from being like this developmental brand into just a brand in in and of itself. And it's been through the course of the year, but it's really transitioned, you know, um, I guess seamlessly through the the USA deal and kind of going on to live TV in a two-hour format every single week, the... um, events that happened around Survivor Series with the plane uh, plane breaking down in the Middle East and, you know, NXT kind of jumping on a plane with Sean and coming to the rescue and and sort of picking that up and then Survivor Series, it's really transitioned itself into being a a third brand. And we're not just saying it now, it it is a third brand and kind of standing on its own. And um, when you look at the metrics of of anything, the, the brand itself, the when we do a takeover or being part of Survivor Series, some of the biggest parts of it are the inclusion of NXT in that. So it's 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 holding its own more so than I ever thought it could. Sean, what about on your end? From the coaching aspect, the last three years have been a blast, but it's been since we moved to USA, almost feels like, again, we're back at a, you know, a pretty good sprint. And then from the time of that Middle East, the stuff that went on with the plane, and then... Uh, Survivor Series, it feels like it's went from a sprint to throwing on the afterburners. And I, I got to tell you, it's been it's been fun. It's been it's been a, a total blast. But it really is, as Hunter said, it it is a third brand now because I can tell you that it started out as a guy that was still enjoying his retirement into a guy that has now gone back to a full time job. <laughs> which, which again, and I can tell you, it, and it's been it's been a blast. It really has. Uh, again, much like again when you know I was working, you know, again on Raw and stuff like that, where you're going every day, uh, but you enjoy it so much that it doesn't feel like work. And that's uh, honestly what the past several months have been like since uh, NXT's made the uh, the move to USA. And again, just all the stuff that's going on, it's been 
very, very busy, very hectic, but it has been an absolute blast and a joy to do uh, with everybody. The one thing that Sean's not even mentioning on his end, everybody else has other things going on, but as, as NXT was evolving to USA and picking up that pace, um, it made me have to back out of some things as well. And Sean picked up the ball on the UK and basically that got pushed uh, his way and he was so um, you know integral a part of it anyway that he just kind of latched on more to it and he's been heading over there you know every uh, what is it five or six weeks that we do television you know he's headed over there and kind of spearheading that and sort of taking on the ownership of that brand totally in and of himself not that he does you know we have still have other people that are involved in it and a team over there of Jim Smallman and everybody else. But Sean's really been the one that spearheaded that project. So on top of NXT becoming this weekly thing and everything else, he's also been going over there and, and, uh, guiding that ship, so to speak. So he's been double busy and it's been awesome because that brand's taking off as well. So Sean's double busy. And even by his own admittance, a few, a few few years back, it seemed like HPK was happy to ride off into the sunset. How did this come to be? How did you drag Sean out of retirement? Well, look, first of all, he says he wasn't busy then either, but he had like a farm and a ranch and he was doing like this other hunting show that he was constantly doing. So it wasn't like he wasn't doing anything, sitting on the couch, uh, you know, becoming bloated Elvis again. He was... <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes when you leave the business, I see it in a lot of guys, like they kind of get away from it. At first, when you first leave, you're like, it's so like encompasses every aspect of your life and so overwhelming. Maybe when you leave, you just want to get away from it for a little bit and put down the frustrations of it and the everyday stuff of it. And I think that's what a lot of people have to do. I think it's what Sean did. He was away from it for a long time, completely disconnected. Uh, from it. And then, you know, it came down to the performance center. That place is infectious in the, the youth of it and the excitement and their excitement, their passion for it is just contagious. And I don't know, it just kind of morphed into him being a little bit of a part of it. And then he was thinking about moving and, you know, getting more part of it. And he just give him a little bit and he's just like, I'm, like a crack seller. <laughs> I gave I gave him just a, a taste. I gave him a taste. And then I had I got the hook in. And then I had him. <laughs> and then, you know, next thing he was next thing you know, he was like, I don't I'll 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 come in, I'll train a few days a week and I'll be a part of the T V thing. And then, you know, I'll I'll help with the matches, but I don't want to be on headset. I don't want any responsibility. And then <laughs> Well, now he's a part of everything. He's jumping up and down right next to me like a giddy kid when, when stuff's good and losing his mind when it's not. And it's, he's into it as much as everybody else is. So the taste worked. Is that all it took, Sean? <laughs> yeah. It did. Well, look, I've been a part of the WWE since I was 23. And at 44, I retired. And I did. I just, you know, you, you do it for so long, you just want to have time to rest, take it easy, disengage. Um, all the while, not really knowing, I just, yeah, I just needed to get refreshed and, and find, I don't know, I guess it, I didn't have any other experience then than wrestling. Um, and you then begin to wonder, well, I mean, do I still have anything to offer? You know, and, and if so, where is that? Um, and it wasn't until I got, you know, again, we took a, a vacation here in Florida and came down to the Performance Center. Um, and you start to understand that you you know, it's still in you. It's a part of who you are. 
Um, it's the one thing that I, I do well, that I enjoy doing, that I, it never feels like work. Um, but, you know, unless you get exposed to it, you don't really know if that shoe's going to fit, so to speak. Um, and then, as I said, I got the time to, to come down here, be a part of it, um, and just all things lined up. And, of course, it enables me to, again, pour into this line of work that I love so much in a way that I didn't know was available to me again, simply because I, I, I'd never done it. Um, and it is, you get, I, I, I think I actually get more joy seriously sitting next to Hunter, watching these young men and women go out there and, you know, tear the house down and enjoy themselves and, and watch them express their passion, uh, for this business along with ours. And so it really is. It, it's one of those things that has just been a sheer joy to do. And I do, I enjoy going to work every day. And, uh, clearly I was built to do one thing. Um, and still doing it at 54 and, and thrilled to be doing so. You know, it's funny too, is like the, that comment. Sometimes people ask me, what part of your career do you like more? And I, people will joke and say, Oh, you're NXT kids. Um, and it's hard not to look at it that way sometimes because if I was to compare this to something, it would be like saying the enjoyment of you doing your having your career or then watching your kid go down that same road and have their success, um, which one did you enjoy more? It's different. And, sure. and I think that's the thing. Like, yeah, I enjoyed my career. I enjoyed the things I did. But this is almost more meaningful in some ways and more fun. Um it's it's but it's hard to explain in any other way other than like watching your kids do something and that pride that you feel for it, you know. Well, Sean, historically speaking, in in other sports at least, the elite level athletes haven't always transitioned as effectively into like a coaching role. Is that Michael something- Jordan was awesome, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Is it something that's, that's been a struggle or, or an adjustment for you at all? Is, is to be able to trans transfer your knowledge to the the NXT talent? I will say that I've learned. A great deal from so many of the other coaches here. I think it took me a while, to your point, to fit into, I don't know, the, the coaching aspect. It's one thing to be able to do it. It's another thing to be able to teach it, so to speak. But I was very fortunate to, one, allow to, to grow into that coaching role and also get a group of guys that understood sort of where I was coming from. I, I don't... I'm not really the guy that teaches the foundational stuff or the the basics. Uh, and, you know, it's more about sharing a lot of those things that can't be learned, that are instinctual, that you just sort of, I don't know, people talk about the, all those guys with the X factor and those things that just sort of come about. I'm better at recognizing those types of things and, and working with individual talents in their strengths, I guess, if that makes any sense. And so it has been, it's been uh, a lot of fun, but it's been an interesting uh, growth track for my, myself as well. And and that's one of the things I told Hunter when I started doing this. I said, I feel like I'll be successful at it if I'm not just teaching them, but there are things that I'm learning uh, on the way. And that has certainly been the case here. And I think that's what made has made it so enjoyable for me is that I've learned so many other aspects from a coaching standpoint, a production standpoint. Uh, it really has been a, a phenomenal process and continue to look forward to the future. Matt Bloom says all the time, one person teaches, two people learn. That's a, one, I've already heard him say that a hundred times. And it really is like, I think when you're 
you're in that role of like Sean is in, in there and trying to work with those people to teach things, you're you're kind of coming up with aspects of it yourself and learning and like, oh yeah, I wonder if this would work. And you can try things and experiment with it. It's fun. I think I'd be remiss if I didn't name another DX member who also plays an integral role down in NXT and that being Road Dog. What's it like having two guys so that have been so close to you and integral in your own career all under the same banner sort of molding the future? It's difficult to keep a maturity level at an acceptable level. <laughs> <one. laughs> yeah, um, it's great. You know it as you go through the journey of different parts of your career and you meet all these different people and stuff. There are certain people that you have a connection with creatively. It doesn't mean you think the exact same about everything, but certain people that you know just also instinctually get it. And, sure. And Not necessarily on the same page, but at least in the same book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and and it's an instinct for them. Sometimes maybe can't tell you why, but there's a feeling and a, and a gut reaction and all that stuff. I feel like Road Dog's at, um, as is Sean. You know, there are certain people that you meet along the way, so to have them in that position to, to be able to pick their brain, like Road Dog is a very creative guy and he'll say all the time like I might not be able to tell you the greatest finish in the world or this particular spots but when it comes to creating moments or you know um creating certain looks or feels he's really great with all that entrances and that that kind of creative nuances all the things that goes into it that go into making a show that nobody really thinks about until you're actually making the show. And it's funny to, to me watching, you know, as much WWE and wrestling as I have over the years, it, it's always those moments that live on. Yeah. Not the spots, not even the matches as a whole. Like, for example, off the top of my head, Sean and Ric Flair at WrestleMania. Tremendous match, but what does everybody remember? I'm sorry, I love you, super kick. And it lives on forever, you know what I mean? And then Rick worked, for months, Rick worked on his crying to make that scene believable. <laughs> <laughs> he was crying before the match even started. <laughs> You guys, as DX, and, and even a little bit larger as The Click, sort of known, I don't want to say infamous, but known for a very different landscape within the sports entertainment business. You guys kind of banded together and, and sort of changed things. I had Adam Cole on the show a few weeks ago, and he talked about how NXT is no longer the us versus them mentality. It's us versus us, as though NXT is just constantly trying to top things. That team mentality, is that something you consciously instilled in the developmental brand or is that something that just kind of happened by accident no i think it's something when i first started it with nxt i wanted to make something you have to have that in order for people to engage in it if they're just there to get some someplace else or <clears throat> if they're not fully invested it's like going to college you sort of want to kind of have that team spirit and that team pride in your college and your brand and your all those things, and then to have them want to <clears throat> all to participate together. I, I always found it funny that there were a lot of people in the in the business that felt like stuff was anti. Was me? What's in it for me? Sure. You know, and and it, the funny thing is, when people talk about the clique, they talk a lot of times about oh, a group of selfish guys or whatever. And the truth is, couldn't be any more the opposite of that. We all were together for the same reasons because we love to talk about the business and we'd all sit in a car and that's all we talked about forever. But half, maybe more than half of the conversations were about other people's stuff and other people's ideas and storylines and angles. And then we were going and pitching that to Vince or whoever and, and trying to move things forward. It was about the overall product. Um, working together, and and I think that's been the the biggest thing of trying to instill in these kids down there that this is a team effort. 
one person's going to be on top or whatever, but everybody's going to move around, and but you're all participating in the success of this, the success or the failure of it. Um, and and having that all be bound together by that by the pride of the of the that kind of unit, the NXT unit, so sure. to speak, and having that all intertwined, and then also having the people that came from there leave there, but still feel like they're a part of it, so they'll want to come back and give to it, and not just you know go move on to the thing. Go, oh, I hope I never have to go back there again. You know, you want them to be a part of it and to want to contribute. So it was a conscious thing to try to bind that together and make it be something more. We were all still competitive with one another, too, but we constantly helped one another at the same time. And I think NXT is, is an example of that as well. There's still a great deal of competition within it of themselves, but they're all still friends and, and, and get along. It, it's, it's, a, it's a whole system of one another trying to compete against one another, lifting one another up. Again, is that, you know, what's the saying that you know high tide raises all boats or something to that effect? Um, and that's sort of how it is here. And that's, I, I do, I think, and I think they all enjoy also, you know, sort of working for this particular group of people. They know that we are behind them. They know that we're, you know, pulling for them, that we're going to encourage them. I don't think there's anybody that thinks we have ulterior motives, so to speak. Um, it's very much, again, like we all were when we were much younger. We'd have ran through a brick wall on fire with Vince McMahon and the WWE. We wanted to uh, make this place the absolute best. And I feel like everybody here in NXT is the same way. There's a loyalty to this brand. There's a loyalty to all of the, the men and women that coach here, the entire uh, performance center as a whole. Everybody pulls together. And that is very hard to find, um, you know, especially in this line of work. And that is something that, again, is, you know, that goes back to the culture here and, of course, sort of the infectious attitude that everyone has once they come here um, and you get exposed to it. It's hard not to want to pull the rope in the same direction as everyone else. And that goes down to the talent, the coaches. And again, I think that makes this product better each and every week. You know, sometimes people have a tendency to draw this line between stuff. Well, this is NXT. This is Raw, that SmackDown, whatever. But it all sits in this N and WWE umbrella. Sure. And I used to say a lot when, when we first started the Performance Center and, and NXT, the business will be what we want it to be. And not everybody's going to like everything at all times, but you have an opportunity to make it what you want, right? Like in, in our generation, there was a lot of things that were horrible about the business, people's extracurricular activities and everything else that went along with it. And a lot of that has changed, but you do it all together. And, and so even though you have the pride of where you're coming from, it's all happening under this WWE banner. You look at the rosters now, and eighty, um, more than eighty percent of uh, everybody that's on the main roster came out of NXT. So they still share a lot of that same bond. You still see the same people hanging out, the same people talking, sure. the same people helping each other that were doing it five years ago in Orlando. Right, right. And you, and Sean mentioned the word loyalty and the, the pride within NXT. Last time you were on the show. Finn Balor had just returned. Yeah. Shortly thereafter, Kevin Owens comes back for a night at TakeOver. We're seeing a lot of NXT talent sort of get to branch out a little bit between Evolve and, and Progress over in the UK. How important is it for not only those talents, but the brands as a whole and NXT as a brand? I think all of that is important in in that this feeder system of what the business is. And, you know, people that misunderstood, I think, even like when we went to the UK, what we were trying to accomplish there— um, because of 
small thinking or short-sightedness, but like, yes, some of these indies are going to go away. Sure. The ones that are going to go away, the ones that were paying you 25 bucks when they promised you 75 bucks, the ones that have a ring that didn't hold up, the ones that didn't have medical there, the ones that didn't care about you, they were just booking you because they were hoping to sell some tickets and you had a little bit of buzz, so they were hoping to sell some tickets and they could care less what you do when you do it. Um, <clears throat> we wanted to work with the ones that were culture, uh, cultivating talent. The ones that were encouraging them to become better, working with them on promos or giving them guidance, right or wrong, on their matches, that had equipment that was functioning, that had medical care if you did get injured while you were there, that at least you weren't laying there for 45 minutes while they were trying to figure out if they could get an ambulance to come or call you an Uber. All those things were important and to us, and those were the people that we started to partner with and let people work for, and I think it's done just that. You know, the... From what I, my understanding and what I hear, the, the system has changed a lot, and there's a lot more of them sort of policing it and, and the talent being able to police it because they're not allowed to go work for the ones that can't do it, and those ones eventually don't last, and the others do last. And for all the right reasons, they're, they're thriving and the others aren't. Well, Sean, you and Hunter both, obviously, before arriving in WWE, made the journey through the territories, different brands, different parts of the country. How important do you think it is for NXT talent who maybe hasn't had that opportunity and was just hired from a, a different world to be able to branch out a little bit and experience uh, these different brands? I think it's a huge opportunity, but at the same time, I could see where it would be a big challenge. When I see the people that make that transition, and again, I'll go back to the guy that I almost always use, you know, which is Kurt Angle, you know, to watch him go from what, uh, he was, you know, as, a, as an amateur wrestler and then transitioned to the WWE. I don't know that anybody did it quite as well as he did, but there have been a number of other people that have made that transition successfully over the years with the help of NXT. And that, I think, makes NXT and the Performance Center so much bigger because you see a number of other people that are able to do that now because of the resources that we have here and, and, and quite honestly, the coaching staff. And it's hard for me to speak to that. I just know that I'm unbelievably impressed by it because this is the one thing I wanted to do. And, and it's, uh, again, all the other people that, you know, have that boyhood or girlhood dream that this is what they look for. I always, I still admire that, that process, but to be someone that had a different goal, a different dream, whether it be football or MMA or whatever the case may be, soccer, basketball, and then for whatever reason, to have to transition that and learn how to do our line of work. I've always been particularly impressed with the people that make that transition and make it successfully because, I don't know, again, I, I, I'm a guy that's done the same thing since I was 19 years old, uh, and I always you know, have the utmost respect and ad for, admiration for people uh, that had to change their goals, so to speak. Um, but I think, you know, the incarnation of NXT in the Performance Center has made that so much more viable and so much, the odds are so much better now that you can make that transition smoothly and successfully is because of the, you know, you know, not blowing smoke, but because of the system that Hunter and everybody uh, put in down here. It's, it's pretty damn impressive. You know, and the thing that's cool about it is you're not seeing 
one style come out of the performance center. You know, right, you, you right. have so many different trainers that can do so many different styles. You then have so many different athletes coming in from so many different places that work different styles and do different things. Right, naturally they're going to gravitate to particular things. Yeah, so you know, you have Kendo coming in from Japan and teaching people a totally different way and trying to morph it into the storytelling that we do and the camera work and everything else, but you're teaching that. And then, and then you know, the other thing that I think people don't mention a lot is the professionalism that's taught at the Performance Center as well, not just the, like, how do you maintain your life so that if you've been in the business for 10 years or whatever that is, and things don't work out, or they do work out, but you decide to walk away, that you have something to show for it, that it's, you know, financial, um, you know, how do you handle your financial situation? Um, Now we're in the process of uh, training, you know, talent to be uh, content creators and, you know, different things that they can do that they can spread themselves out so it's not so one-dimensional and they're just living in the moment of being a 25-year-old kid that's uh, making some money and traveling around doing this crazy job and that when they get to be 40, they, they have something there, you right, know? Right. Yeah. And I will say like, and again, I know that I, you know, I'll get be accused of being a, a WWE cheerleader, but I, I, you know, How I dare you? have to say, <laughs> well, but I'm just saying, uh, well, look, we're not perfect. And I know we've had our faults over the years, but again, that's what, that is why, you know, I picked up, moved my family and everything else. This place down here, um, it's why a lot of people want to be a part of it. Again, the variety and just from the wrestling standpoint, again, all the techniques, all those things that Hunter touched on, those are all the things that he and I loved about, you know, the wrestling business when, when we got into it when we were kids. And that's why we try to bring all of that to NXT, you know, when we're on the USA Network. Our show is a, is a variety. It's not set in any one style, so to speak. And then this is a place that does. We, we try to, you know, again... We, we try to also teach the other side of it. Again, having a life beyond this line of work, you know, being committed to the WWE, but still having a life, still taking care of yourself, still having a future, thinking past the moment, thinking past that WrestleMania moment, thinking past that takeover moment. You know, again, giving life some thought, your family, all of those things, they, they really do try to encompass that down here. And that's, I don't know, that's that's hard to, to beat. It sounds a little bit mamby-pamby and mama, you know, America and apple pie, but, you know, it is what this place is built on down here, and that's why so many people want to be here or when they do get here don't want to leave, like me. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you, uh, th- th- to that particular point, uh, recently it was, Tommaso Ciampa went on the record and said something to the effect of he never wants to leave NXT, and I, I think he threatened to retire if he was sent to Raw or SmackDown. Is there any truth to that, A, and B, how cool is it to have that sort of loyalty from from the troops within? I think there's a part of Ciampa, though, it, it, that comes down to wear and tear and physicality of in his current place, sure. right, physically, physically, right? could he handle the schedule? Could he handle the grind and the wear and tear and, and everything else? of a full run on Raw or SmackDown, right? It's a different, that's a different different beast. And even though that schedule has now dropped and has become much more manageable, especially if you have a family and everything else. But for him, he probably looks at it and says, look, if I was on the main roster, I have a run that's this long. Right. If I was on NXT with a lessened schedule and and much more manageable, I have a run that's this long. He'd rather do this for a long period of time and then transition into doing all the other stuff that he loves. Like, he, I, I tell you, at, when the time is right, 
He'll be a phenomenal coach. He'll be a phenomenal backstage producer. We're, we're letting him get experience in that now. He goes to Evolve right now, and uh, you know he'll go there and he'll sign autographs or whatever. But then during the day, he's a producer. Oh, okay. He goes and he pulls the role that that we do. Right? He goes there and he's passing on that knowledge to those kids, and he's a producer and an agent there and helps them with their shows and does everything else. And then when they're producing the the uh, television event or the uh, digital, whatever it is, event that night, he's helping with that. He's, he's picking up the things that we're teaching him and he's putting it someplace else. And that's going to translate long-term in his career too. I don't think a lot of people realize that the Performance Center is, is really integral, is essential in that sort of formation, not only of in-ring talent, but all aspects. If it weren't for having the voiceover room, when I got hurt and shut down, I wouldn't have become a commentator because I wouldn't have known where to practice. But I also was in the computer room learning how to, to produce uh, the entrance music and just files and different things. I remember running the music at live events. And it was just all these other opportunities that were afforded to me just because it's all truly encompassing. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. Even within the WWE, behind the scenes, right? There's So we've hired camera guys from that that have worked with us at Full Sail that we brought in there to run that, to, to work just on that show and taught the techniques and, and everything that we do. We've sound techs, lighting techs. Sure. So, so many aspects of what we do behind the scenes comes out of there, but that's, that's really what it's built to design. You know, Marty Miller that directs Raw and SmackDown right now and WrestleMania and everything else, when we first started, Marty was in in the... Like, I remember having the conversation with him of saying, like, I, I want to try to learn to direct because he was a camera guy. He was right. a lead camera guy. Right. Hey, we're doing this NXT stuff. Hey, can I be involved in that? Sure. He came down there, started directing. And, man, he got his chops rolling, and pretty soon he was the guy. Right. You know, and you see that over and over now. The guys that we have now, Casey and everybody else, those are building to the future. We're not putting out less product, so. Oh, right, right. You know. I am dumb as a stick, and I'm bad <laughs> saying it for years about not learning anything. I don't want to grow, and even I'm learning stuff down here. It is it is staggering. You can't be here and and work down here and not generally learn about television, producing, production, all of that kind of stuff. You have to really try hard not not to grow and evolve down here because this entire place it is built for just that, and it's built for that within. Uh, the WWE Universe, and it's staggering what you can make use of down there. If you've never been to the Maryland Renaissance Festival, you don't know what you're missing. There's so much to see and do. It's like a 16th century theme park with shops and pubs, food and games, live jousting, crafts and music, 10 stages with nonstop entertainment. Fun for the whole family. Saturdays, Sundays, and Labor Day Monday through October 24th. For tickets, visit MarylandRenaissanceFestival.com. Save big on admission through September 12th. Near Annapolis, the Maryland Renaissance Festival. Time travel to fun. Well, Hunter, last time you were on here, you told the story of when you basically found out the NXT women's division was going bye-bye yeah. <laughs> overnight. Now, it could be argued you have even more stars, a bigger roster. As we Keith Lee, huge night at Survivor Series, definitely a star-making night. Yeah. Is that concern lessened now for you at, at all, knowing that you have so much talent, or is there still a possibility that you could get a phone call and say, hey, I'm taking this guy? That's always a possibility. I mean, you know, all this stuff comes from sort of kind of one place, right? And that's Vince. And, right. And even the ability for all of us to be able to learn this stuff 
as Sean said, since he was 19, sitting under that learning tree. Me, since I walked in the door, sitting under that learning tree to get all of it as you go down the line. But the one thing that you know real quick is uh, he also signs a check. So if he calls me up and goes, <laughs> I need the entire roster, I, I you know, okay. Um, nice and, nice and, having you. <laughs> yeah, and we'll figure out a way to make it grow. People sure. used to say to us in the beginning of NXT that that was the weakness, that eventually these talent leave and they go to Raw or SmackDown, and that's the weakness. The thing can't last. It'll fall apart. No, it's the strength. Because when something's been here for a while and it gets to the place where it needs to grow beyond or change or whatever, it does organically. But I think now looking at it differently because of the USA deal, um, because of how Raw and SmackDown sit, now it's it's a it's kind of three places for people to go. And it doesn't have to be that, you know, if if I got the call tomorrow that said Keith Lee is gone. Then Keith Lee goes, but who do I replace him with? I can make somebody young, and I can make some new people, and we have people waiting, chomping at the bit for their opportunity, right? Absolutely. But also, you see guys like Finn Balor stepping back. You see, you know, when when the uh, when the Saudi mechanical issue happened, and NXT went. The second everybody got back from that trip, my phone was lit up (laughs) with people saying, "Hey, can I come down on a Wednesday and work?" (laughs) <laughs> right? Like from Ron Smackdown. Right. Revival. You know, I mean, those guys, when I told them they were going to work with Undisputed Era, they were like, will we have time? And I said, all the time you want. And I was like, you want to know what the deal is? They were like, I don't care. Don't care. Time. We're good. Yeah. When do we show up? You know? They did not disappoint. Yeah. And, and so that's the beauty of it now, I think, is that you have that ability for people to move around and shift. They don't have to be in one place. And you can take them. Somebody that's maybe stagnated in one place. You know, make the argument that Finn Balor's the hottest he's been in a couple of years. For right, sure. Right now, based off just coming back in and us rebooting him and doing all the stuff. Um, if Kevin Owens came back in Survivor Series, you know, they had a plan for him in Raw. But if, let's say he hadn't, how well would he have fit in right back down there? Yeah, and, absolutely. And Seamlessly. Taking that to a different level. Right. And, you know, so it, it it's all... I think can be seamlessly moved now. And as you begin to create that further, the UK, other locations, Middle East, India, Japan, Mexico, whatever, as all those places evolve and grow, as we put these performance centers and do these things globally, it just gives people places to go work. You, you don't burn out. I can so distinctly remember starting in this business and knowing that Taker had been here for six years. I remember having a conversation with him and he said he had been here like six years. And I was thinking like, that was like an eternity. Imagine being sure. in one place for six. Can you imagine that? Yeah, yeah. And now you get guys today that are, you know, you, you talk to guys and they're like, I've been here 10 years. And oh you my. don't even realize it. It's just, just, yeah. it just seems so natural now. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a different world. And I'd also argue, again, all of those things that people feel like, you know, get moving talent, taking people and all of that. It's certainly down here. It's caused us to be sharper. You know, I mean, we don't we don't rest on our laurels. It's also caused us down here to constantly be thinking creatively. We never get too comfortable down here because of 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 all of those possibilities that are out there. So, you know, there's an argument to be made that certainly for those of us in NXT, those things keep us on our toes on a pretty regular basis. Switch gears a little bit, have a little fun here. Let's say in your primes of your career. If you can have a match at WrestleMania with a current day NXT talent, who would it be and why? I don't. Well, I get to ask that one a bunch. I mean, and, but the years keep changing, <laughs> so I don't know. So right now, I mean, I'm gonna 
Well, I got a lot of them. And it's just, right, rifle off a few. It's, it's not a legal binding contract. Just, <laughs> just have okay, a little fun. So I'm gonna, so I'm gonna say uh, this is how Vince does it. I want to say that as well. Daniel Bryan's that are already there. You got your AJ's and Daniel Bryan's that are there, and I threw a big guy like Drew McIntyre in there. But then I'd say Johnny Gargano, Velveteen Dream, uh, from down here would certainly uh, be a couple. But boy, I'd like, wouldn't mind getting in there with Finn either. Oh, there's a bunch of them. Try, try to set the rumor mill on fire. HBK <laughs> yeah. wants match yeah. with Finn Balor. Sorry in advance, Sean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that, man, that list for me is it's pretty long because there's so many talented guys. And you can look at, you know, two years ago, I would have said a different list of people. Right, right. Um, if I was to look at it now, like cl- clearly for me, from the white meat, Shawn Michaels selling babyface side Gargano. Funny, yeah. Right. Ciampa is a different story. He's more like my character was in, in a different a different style. Velveteen Dream, just the the visuals and the image that you could present with him is totally different. It's hard to put a singular one. Finn Balor would be another one for me for sure. I don't know. I'm just sta- stating the same stuff he did. But then, then again, you look at somebody like Keith Lee with the stuff that he can do, a big guy like that, and I go like, man... I don't know. I think it would be hard not to to have something super enjoyable with him. There's just so many people. And then when you look underneath that, I know that two years from now, there's guys like Grimes and Swerve that I'll be saying like, oh, my God, I'd love to work with them, too. You know, right. I got to throw Cole in there yeah. too on my list Dude. as well. Yeah, be like, you know, be, be like, to that exact point, the fact that you just rifled off how many names and Adam Cole, the, the reigning yeah. champion, just kind of slipped by. That's yeah. just there's such a wealth of talent there. I can tell you what I wouldn't want to do is a fight in the women's division because they beat the tar out of each other. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to get in there. Rhea and Mia lately, both oh, of those, man. I, yeah, you couldn't pay me enough to be on the on the other end of that. That's. So, I, I watched some of the rehearsals in the afternoon, and I think I, I don't know that I've ever hit anybody that hard except for Sean. <laughs> <laughs> 2020, right around the corner, holiday season. What is your wish list for NXT or WWE in the next year? Hunter, I'll start with you. You know, I think in the next year to continue doing what we're doing, which, you know, I've been saying it since we started. This is a, uh, this, the deal with USA and NXT, it's slow and steady. Um, I've been saying that. People will now think I'm talking about saying it in the last few months. I've been saying that since we started it seven years ago or five years ago or whatever it was. Um, you're not going to build this thing in a day, it's not going to become the biggest Joe in the world in a day. But slowly but surely, when we started out, there were, 10 people coming to shows and we had to bring in main roster talent to, to move any tickets at all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you slowly built that over time, built a reputation, built a brand, uh, kept it rolling, got it to the point where, you know, uh, we went to Brooklyn and sold out takeovers. And then, you know, the show started to take off on the network. And then, you know, you get to the point now where you're on USA Live every two weeks of television. Um, it's continuing to increase that until this is everything that it can be and is truly an alternative uh, place other than Raw and SmackDown for guys to be and perform in that has its own unique style and feel. I never want it to be where if you, if you turn on the TV and you can't tell the difference right away between Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, we failed out the shoot. It's definitely different from uh, the days of FCW. Rollins and I still joke about when we used to have to do street team and hang our own posters on the wall, and now yeah. it's like, wow, NXT is an actual viable third brand. So I always joke about the – I don't remember what the thing was that I wanted to put. It was something to help the show along, and I wanted to put it in the truck to go. And Kern, who was still running it at the time, but I was just kind of taking it over, came to me and he goes, I got a, I got a problem with, uh, with doing that. And I was like, well, why? And he goes, well – the nacho machine won't be able to fit in 
the truck <laughs> if you put that in there. And I'm like, the nacho machine? And he's like, yeah, we're nachos. If we don't sell nachos, that's the difference between us cutting a profit and losing money. <laughs> I was like, wow. And this, this is the is time, the time such a bigger be problem. Seth Rollins, Bray Wyatt, Roman Reigns, all under that banner, and we needed nachos. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I don't care about the nachos. They're just like, throw all that stuff out. We're rebooting this thing. We're heading in a different direction. <laughs> but the nacho machine is my go-to. <laughs> all right, Sean, what about you in 2020? What do you wish for? I want to see the same steady growth from NXT that, we, that we've had. As you guys say, you guys remember it when it started and where it's come from. I guess like people only remembering like you've been on top forever. It's like, no, that's not really true. <laughs> you know, um, and, and again, so that if we could grow um, as much, you know, as you guys have since the five years, since those nacho machine days, even in the, since the time that I've been here, three and a half years, um, as we go forward, I think that'll be huge. Uh, and, and that's what I, I, I hope for NXT and this, you know, it, brand overall because if we do that it's going to be big and powerful because raw smackdown everybody does they seem to forget about that stuff in 25 almost 30 years uh, you know that none of this stuff happens overnight and uh so for me it would it would be that same steady growth that this place has continued to add since fruition my producers have devised a game. This is different than the electric seat, which is a rousing hit. We haven't gotten canceled yet. I made it two weeks, longer than the actual electric chair. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Obviously, it is well documented. You and and Sean, our best friends, have traveled the road together. So this is uh, how well do you know your partner? Mm. Hunter, I don't even even like the the starting uh, title of this. (laughs) Hunter, what was your first impression of Shawn Michaels? Horrible dresser. (laughs) <laughs> the first day I ever met him, he came in. He had like short shorts. No, he had he had jean overalls on, no shirt, bandanas all over it, like no shirt, nothing. But he came in that way off, like the, he came from the airport that way, like <laughs> his t- jeans tucked into the boots. You know, the whole nugget jewelry, the whole thing. Fashion assassin, <laughs> still going. <laughs> Sean, what about you? Uh, you know what? Uh, it was, it was that, that period that, of time is kind of sketchy for him. <laughs> oh, no, his, but his, his outgoingness to me, it was again him walking in. It was the WrestleMania 11 and him walking in and saying, You know, Terry Taylor told me about you and uh, said I need to hook up with you and start riding with you. Something to that effect. Sort of much, sort of just, in, you know, he made sure he was going to ride around with us. He was getting with us and he was adamant about it. It was like, you know, he was very, uh, sure of what he was doing when he came into the WWE. That was just pretty pretty admirable. You know? It's a good front anyways. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. Fake it till you make it. That's it. What's Hunter's biggest pet peeve? Oh, I don't know. Probably not eating. Yeah, that would be probably it. Like, you know what I mean? You know, because Flair would, like, if we were all traveling together, Flair still says he spent more money with me on food than he ever spent his entire career on booze, <laughs> which is an impossibility. <laughs> But, like, Flair is one of those people that, like, eats a little bit in the morning, maybe something in the afternoon. But then, you know, he has this thing where, like, well, I can't eat for, like, however many hours before I wrestle. And I'm like. Yeah, like six hours before I wrestle. Yeah, yeah, like six. I'm not kidding. Like six hours. And then, of course, afterwards, he wants to have a couple drinks. So he doesn't want to eat right away because that'll kill the buzz of the drink. Right. Right. Like, dude, I can't go that long without (laughs) eating. So you're going to have to sit with me and eat. So, yeah, he's probably right. The pet peeve would be not. Not eating regularly. And what was Sean's big? Hangry. Hangry, yes. Yeah. Sean's kind of a go-with-the-flow guy. I don't know that Sean would have a... 
pet peeve. I think maybe just people being disorganized and not doing the things that they say they're going to do and and that kind of stuff. Like I think it was one of the things when when stuff was all over the place or if you're riding with somebody that uh, is constantly changing, like, well, let's do this instead. I don't want to do that anymore. You know, like, just have a plan and stick to it. So I think it's why we got along so well on the road. Yeah. Here's, here's hey, what, you want to do this tomorrow? Yeah, that sounds good. And that's what we did. We drove in the morning. We did this. We went to the gym. We went late. We, you know. It's just regimented. We were pretty regimented and scheduled, for sure, yeah. yeah. What would Sean have done for a career had he not ended up in WWE? Jail. (laughs) (laughs) One more time, got to thank my very, very special guests, Triple H and Sean Michaels. I won't see you till next year, so have a happy new year. ATB will be back in 2020. And for some inspirational words, to close out the new year, the great philosopher Clark W. Griswold said it best, hallelujah, holy where's the Tylenol? There's some holidays in. Go watch Christmas Vacation if you haven't yet. I know it's late, but better late than never. Make sure you follow at After the Bell on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Join the conversation using the hashtag After the Bell if you're using an Android ATB on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, Google Podcasts, or whatever podcast app you choose to use. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe to ATB. Throw me five stars on Apple Podcasts. Help get the word out should you choose to do so. Follow me at WWE Graves. I'll be back next week, New Year. More wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell. This has been an original WWE podcast. G3 Assistance through Virginia's community colleges is your pathway to a new future, helping those who qualify pay for school and train for the right career. Right where you are, right now. Get a skill. Get a job. Get ahead. You can learn more at vccs.edu forward slash G3.